Thanks, Tommy. That was awesome. Hey, well, I'm really excited to be with you guys tonight and to kick off our fall yam night. Summer nights was awesome. I don't know how many of you guys were able to make it this summer, but it was just a great time of being together on Wednesdays. And now we've shifted seasons into the fall where we do late night after our Thursday night service and we gather once a month here. And so I'm really excited for this to grow and for young adults to continue to have a safe place to encourage each other in your relationship with Christ and to make some new friends to help each other through the challenges of this season of your life. Because this is an exciting season of your life, but it's also challenging. Am I right? I get an amen on that? There's, yes, there's a lot of challenges you guys are facing, and you're not meant to go through it alone. And we're I'm just really excited about this community to continue to grow and build and encourage one another. And every month we're going to focus on a different topic related to pursuing greater things with our life. That God has greater things in mind for us. And he doesn't want us to settle for less. And the world is constantly trying to drag us down and to keep us settling for less when God has so much more. And so we're going to talk about what that means. How do we pursue the greater things God wants for our lives, especially in this season? And I want to start tonight by talking about how do we develop a greater vision for our life? And to do that, we're going to look at one of the most famous stories in the New Testament, And it's a story that many theologians believe summarized the whole Bible brilliantly in about 15, 16 verses. And it's all of our stories. And you'll find yourself in the story in one way or the other. But before we get there, I want to talk about moving. Anybody ever moved before? Hey, look around the room. Anybody moved to the triangle in the last five years? Raise your hand. Hey, most people. Anybody anybody moved here in the last two years? Raise your hand. Anybody moved here in the last two weeks? Hey, welcome to the triangle. Give these guys a hand. Hey, moving's a big deal. And I've moved a lot in my life. I've actually lived all over the country. I, went to, I, went, I grew up in Virginia, and then I went to graduate school in Los Angeles. I've lived in the Midwest, in the frozen tundra of Minnesota, and the heat of Arizona. Like all the extremes, I've lived there. And I believe North Carolina is the best. It's, it's a great place. And we're so glad to be here. Um, and so glad you're here. Uh, Raleigh's a great place to live, even if you just got introduced to fake fall, because fake fall is the season where we thought it was going to be beautiful. You might have got here like last week, and you're like, man, I live in San Diego. It's 75 degrees. It's beautiful. And now all of a sudden, it feels like you're literally walking in a swamp. Like, this is Raleigh. This is what it feels like a lot of time. Besides the swamp, it's a great place to live. We love it here. And over the years of moving, I've had to get more comfortable with changing locations and the things that you learn when you move. Because when you move, it's challenging. It brings up new things to learn about yourself, about God. And there's often unexpected challenges when you move. And I remember when I was younger, I hated the idea of moving. I moved for the first time when I was going into middle school. When I'd grown up in the same house um, in Virginia for most of my life to that point, and I'll show you a picture of little Corey. I brought, brought to show you it today. So there's little Corey. Aww. I think my mom literally put a bowl on my head and cut around it. And if you've seen the movie, movie Dumb and Dumber, you, you might notice that I look a little bit <laughs> like Lloyd Christmas. And if you've never seen that movie, do yourself a favor, go watch it. You'll be dumber afterwards, but it's hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> And so I grew up in Virginia, and the first time we moved was about sixth grade, and I was so mad at my parents that I didn't talk to them literally for a month after we moved. Like, I told them, I'm not going to talk to you, and then they didn't believe me, and we moved, and I didn't talk to them for a month. Like, locked myself in the room. I was so mad about it. 
And then when I went to college, that was the next time I moved after I left high school. Went to college at William Mary, which is in a historic town in Virginia. Megan went to William Mary. I loved William Mary. It was a great experience for me. But first semester was hard. I brought a picture of William Mary to show you. That's William Mary. That's actually the building I proposed to my now wife in, which is the oldest uh, college building in the country. That's from 1693 right there. And there's a chapel where I proposed to my wife. But when I got to William Mary, it was like jarring for me. I had gone through this big transition of life as I knew it in high school, and now I'm in this new place making new friends. I felt really lonely. I felt like I was struggling with my sense of who I was and whether I was valued, and just it was messing with me inside. And my first semester of freshman year was really hard. And I remember going home for Thanksgiving and talking to my youth leader about it, and he said, just give it, give it six months more. And if you're still feeling this way at the end of the year, then we'll talk about maybe changing. But it was a hard transition for me. And whenever you go through a move, it's exciting. There's new opportunities, but it also brings up stuff to work through and new challenges to face because moving messes with our sense of belonging and our sense of security. And I still remember when I, I finally found a group of people that I felt like I really belonged with and I clicked with, that shared the faith that I had in Jesus and that we began sharing life together, just having fun together. I remember sitting around, there's this moment where we're in somebody's living room and somebody was playing the guitar, kind of like Tommy was doing right now. And it wasn't a big group of people, but I just felt like I was finally home. I felt like I belonged. And it made a huge difference. And we also helped each other find a bigger purpose to live for. And I got involved with this group that was investing in youth ministry and helping other kids that are a little bit younger than us know about Jesus. And that gave me the sense of purpose and adventure during my college years. And so I want to encourage you, if you're new to the triangle and you're new to the area, you haven't found your people yet, maybe you're in that transition right now that we're here to help. And it takes some effort. It takes some patience. And I imagine if you're new to this, this scene of Raleigh, North Carolina, God's going to teach you some new things about yourself. And it's going to take some work to find your people, but God has good things for you if you'll continue to persevere. And so when we move, I, man, I know some of you are here and you're like, man, you know, I moved here and I'm married and it's been way, way harder in my marriage than I thought. That's often very true when you're, you move as a married couple. And some of you are here and you're, you're just like excited to leave high school and you moved here for college and you're like, man, this is going to be an adventure. Or maybe you came here for a job and you're like, man, I can't wait to leave my home behind and now build a life in this new place. And it's been harder than you thought. And that's normal. Or maybe you're here and you're like, you just, you're, all your friends went to college and you're going to Wake Tech or you're getting a job and you're like, man, I thought God wanted greater things for me after high school, but I'm not sure how to find them. And I want you to know that, man, God's got greater things for you. But it starts with really developing a greater vision for what God wants for your life in this season. And that's what I want to talk about now. I want to look at the story in Luke 15 where we find a story Jesus tells about a young guy that moves, and he's in search of greater things, and he learns some hard lesson along the way. You're going to meet two brothers, and, and both of them run into some unexpected challenges. And I think when we read this story together, you're going to find yourself in it in one way or the other. So let's go to the side screens. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to follow along with me in Luke 15, but we're going to read this together. It says this, <clears throat> to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. 
So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Sound like college, almost? <laughs> Moving to a distant land he hadn't been in before, but, you know, he is kind of messed up in the way he went about it. In the ancient world, having this conversation with your father was basically like saying, I wish you were dead so I could have what's coming to me when you die now. And I want to go off on my own and make my own way without you. And he wanted to go after what he thought was the better life with no help from those around him. And so he set off in a distant land. And you know, that desire to set off and build a life apart from the family you grew up in, that's a good desire given you by God. You guys know in, the, in Genesis 1, when the Bible opens, it describes the purpose of mankind. It gives us a blueprint for how human beings are, are called to flourish. And it says, God created us, male and female, in his image, in his likeness, and he created them to reflect his good character in this world and to be fruitful and multiply. And that partly means having babies, right? And in Genesis 2, we find that the place that God wants you to have babies is in a marriage of trust and commitment between a man and a woman, where two people leave behind their parents and they form a new life together. And then they fulfill bigger purpose for their life. There's a good desire in us to, to leave our home behind and go in search of building our own home. But the way this guy went about it was really messed up. He basically said to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me the inheritance I have now. And as, as a pastor, I'm not worth very much. And so I'm worth way more dead for my kids than I am alive. If my kids ever had this conversation with me, that would be a sad day, right? But what does the father do? He actually just says, okay, go ahead. And he divides his share of his estate and gives it to his sons. And he goes off in search of a distant land. And the other thing that's kind of messed up about the son, not only does he kind of just want his way, no matter how much it hurts the people in his life, but he doesn't have a plan. He just goes off like to a distant land with no plan. And there's an old phrase that says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And this guy is living that out. Like he has no plan. He's just going off in search of greater things, a better life away from his father. He's bought the lie that life will be better his way rather than his father's way. And we're going to see it didn't work out very well for him. And so pretty quickly, here's what happens next. And there he was, and he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Man, this is about as low as you can get. Here's a guy who had everything that he needed in his father's house. He, he goes in search of greater things, and now he's literally eating with pigs. I mean, you, someone was talking to me about how bad they feel when they eat McDonald's. Like, this guy is literally feeding in the pig trough. And he's this picture of broken and alone. And he's really hit rock bottom. And it's because he believed this lie underneath it all that he had to pursue his way rather than God's way. He thought his way was going to be so much better, but in the, in the end, it ended up destroying him and leaving him in this really dark and messed up place. Anybody ever been there before? And this is where this guy finds himself. And it's a rough go. 
And so when you find yourself in that place, when you come to the end of yourself, when you find yourself broken and, and going your way and, and trying harder and harder to make it work, but it's just not working out and you end up broken, you have two choices. You can either stay stuck in your pride and continue to try harder and harder to fix it yourself, or you can have the humility to ask for help. You can admit it, you can come clean, you can be honest, and you can turn back to where you know you can find love, which is always God. And what you'll find here is that Jesus is telling us this story about all of our condition. All of us have this desire in our hearts, thinking that my way is better than God's way. That's what sin is really about, and we all have it inside. Romans 3.23 says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all find ourselves going towards the pig pen and towards self-destruction in one way or the other. And our culture is constantly bombarding with the lies, saying your way is the best way. You do you. There's got to be better out there for you. Throw off all the rules that God has and all the commands he says you know best. And behind that really is this like counter trinity to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the world, the flesh, and the devil, trying to convince us to run away from God. And what we'll find in the stories, it's so much better to run to God. Because the adventure that we're looking for, the greater things that we're looking for out there that this guy was trying to find in wild living and, and having fun, man, that was fun for a while, but then it blew up in his face. And the adventure that his heart really longed for was found in relationship with his father. And that's what he's going to find in, in just the next verse. Check this out. This is the most amazing thing about the story in Luke 15. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. So here he has the humility to go back home. And, and here's what we see next from the father. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Go to the next slide. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a, finger, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And this is what Jesus says God is like. It says that God was watching for him while he was still a long way off, that he didn't even wait for him to get home, that he ran to him. And instead of condemning him, he, he embraced him with compassion. Instead of killing him like the son said, I'd rather wish you were dead, he kissed him. Instead of giving a lecture, he loved him. And he said, you know what? You thought you were just going to come home and get this place in my house like the other servants, but man, I'm going to give you the best stuff. We're going to throw a party. I'm going to kill the fattened calf. I'm going to get a robe and I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to put a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet. And those were deeply symbolic things in that culture. The robe was really honoring him and covering him with his shame and saying, I am restoring you to the place of being my son, honored in my house. And the ring was very similar. And the sandals, only 
only people uh, that were servants in the house didn't wear sandals. And so he's restoring them to this place of honor where he had been so filled with shame and guilt and brokenness over the decisions that he'd made. And now the father is welcoming him home. And this is what Jesus says your heavenly father is like. That you can go off searching for greater things out in the world, but God is the one who has what's best for you. And when you come home to him, when you turn your heart back to him and say, you know what, I give up going my way. I want to learn how to do life your way. He is just watching and waiting for that moment. He embraces you and he showers you with compassion and love and gives you the kind of grace and mercy that you can't receive anywhere else. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel good to be lied to. And that son had, had really believed the lie that life was better outside the father's house. I was watching this documentary recently on Netflix. Have any of you guys seen the Manatai Teo Netflix special? Anybody seen that? Some of you are nodding your head. If you don't know the story, it's really a sad story, and I won't go into all the details of it, but he was a football player at Notre Dame, and he got catfished by someone who didn't actually exist. And he developed a long-term relationship with this person then found out that it wasn't real. And it blew up in his face. And you can just see in the story the pain of believing a lie. And when I watched that story, I just thought about so many times how I have believed lies about myself that's left me just broken and dealing with my own sense of shame and anxiety and guilt. And in those moments, I am tempted to not turn towards the Father, but to try to fix it myself. And when I do remember how much God loves me, when I have the vision of God that Jesus presents as a story, that the best place for me to go when I mess up, when I blow it, when I feel broken inside, is the Father that created me. Man, I find a greater peace than I could ever find on my own. And that's what God wants for each one of you, to know that the greater things that he wants for your life starts with having a greater vision for God. Because you'll never pursue the greater things that God wants for you if you don't see God the way that we see Jesus sees God. If we don't see that God loves you more than anything this world can offer you. And then when you see that, you'll be willing to leave behind the lesser things to pursue the greater things even if that comes with sacrifice or difficulty. Because the greater things don't always feel great. Sometimes they're really uncomfortable. But it starts with knowing that there's this great God that's welcoming you home, and he wants to teach you how to do life in the way that he designed it, rather than thinking that you have to do it all by yourself. And so that brings us to the next son. They're throwing this huge party because the son that was dead is, is now alive, and he's so excited for him to come home. It, and then what do you think the, the other son that, that stayed home, how do you think he felt about all this? Well, in the story, Jesus paints a picture that he kind of missed out. And this is a tragic part of the story, but I think it's really revealing of something that we experience as human beings. It says this, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, What's going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. 
His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the second brother, the one that stayed home in the house, he missed out on the party. He missed out on the greater things because just like the younger son, but in a different way, he was just consumed with himself and his his own pride. He couldn't celebrate that someone who was dead was now rescued and brought back to life. He was just so focused on himself and that he felt like his father was holding out on him. And here's the tragic thing that God said is that everything that he had was his the whole time. He just never asked. He was in the father's house, but he never came up close to connect with him and develop a partnership with him and to ask for the greater things. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can be all around God and be in his house and be with other Christians and go from Christian event to Christian event to Christian event, but never in our heart ask God for the things that he wants to give us and develop a personal and intimate relationship with his Holy Spirit when we learn to follow him into the greater things for ourselves, And God isn't holding out on any of us. That's the lie the enemy wants us to believe, that the Father longs to give us the things of his kingdom. I mean, he didn't spare his own son. He gave his life for each of us. And now he's giving us his Holy Spirit. And he's giving us this community to believe and belong in so that we can help each other through the difficulties of life. And this brother missed it. And so often I've been like that brother. I've missed it because I'm hanging on to my pride and how I think things should go that I forget to ask. And I think sometimes we don't experience the joy and the abundance and the greater things that God wants because we're hanging on to our control. And God wants you to know tonight that you don't have to be like that older brother, that he's not holding out on you, that he has greater things for you. I remember when I was in college, I heard this guy talk, and it was one of those talks that just really struck me deeply. And he was a guy who worked in the inner city in in Washington, D.C., and he was talking to a group of Christian college students, and he said, you know what I think some of your problem is? Is that you get in your Christian car with your Christian bumper sticker, and you turn on your Christian music, and you drive right by the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is always at hand and available to us. And just like that father put a robe and a ring and sandals on his son's feet, he had the same thing for the older brother. He just never came close enough to receive it. God has work for you in building his kingdom and being a partner with the God of the universe and helping lost people come home. And that starts with knowing how much God loves you that his kingdom invitation is for you. And so if you want to pursue the greater things that God has for you and leave behind the lesser things of this world, it starts with developing a greater vision of God, of seeing God the way Jesus does, and of seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. And I want to just share one tool that's been helpful for me in thinking about pursuing the greater things. And it's, it's a triangle, imagine that, because I, I always uh, like to teach with a triangle. And it's a really simple tool, and it helps you think about 
How do I pursue the greater things that God has for my life? If this is what we want, we really need to build three things into our life to pursue those. And the first thing is to build a stronger foundation with God himself. That instead of just living off of somebody else's relationship with God, that we actually spend time with God in his word and prayer regularly. I don't know a Christian that's been walking with Jesus for their life and pursuing greater things in his kingdom that doesn't spend regular time with Jesus in prayer and his word. I mean, that is the foundation. If you think about building a foundation, it's, it's spending time with God for yourself and learning to feed your soul and the truth of what he says about you. If we don't, it's so easy to get pulled aside by the things of the world. It just is. We're bombarded with messages all the time. And so that's why I know I'm broken. I know I'm messed up. And so I want to spend the first part of my day, the best part of my day with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to build that habit. It's, it's surprising when I start asking people, especially young adults, about their time with God. Often they, that's a new idea for them or they don't know how to do that. And really, it's pretty simple. You start by reading the Bible <laughs> and actually picking up and reading it. The best way to do it is the Bible that you will read. I want to challenge you this year to read the New Testament. If you need help with that, if you need help learning how to read the Bible, one of the things that we're doing on Thursday night at late night is talking about how do we build a stronger foundation in our relationship with God. And we're going to talk about that topic this week. How do I read the Bible and learn to listen to God for myself? And each week we're going to be talking about building a stronger foundation in our relationship with him. But it really starts with just believing that God loves you and wants to speak to you and that you're going to spend time in his word. And so I want to encourage you to build that habit into your life and then to begin listening to what he says. Like, listen to his spirit in the next step that he wants you to take. And as we listen to his word for ourselves and listen to how his spirit is leading to us, he just leads us a step at a time. And sometimes it's hard. We have to work through difficult things in our life. And I was actually meeting with a friend about an area of my life that's been difficult for us in our life, and that's our finances. And one of the areas um, that we really need wisdom from God's word on is the area of finances. And I'm surprised sometimes, not only do we not read the Bible, but on these topics where God has principles that we can learn about, sometimes we're like, you know what? I'm good, God. I'm going to go my way. I don't care about your way. And then it blows up in our face and we're like, what happened? And because we didn't listen, we didn't pay attention to what God has to say. And man, if I could go back to my like 25-year-old self and have a conversation, it, one area I would talk to myself about is you need to like get some help on learning how to manage your finances God's way. And I'm learning some lessons now that I wish I would have learned younger, but this guy that's been helping me with this really gave a helpful illustration. And he talked about these different phases in your life. And really for 10 years when you're learning something new and some area of your life that is, is difficult, you're developing new habits and skills, it doesn't feel like much progress. You're really laying a foundation. And then like kind of the next 10 years, things start to grow a bit. And then it's the next 10 years that there's like exponential growth. And I'm not going to go through the whole talk that he gave me on finances with that. But when you think about your life in all different kinds of areas, man, it's in the little things in the first kind of season of learning how to build a foundation of a healthy relationship with someone of the opposite sex. 
And maybe you grew up in a family where you didn't see that model well at all. And you've got some new things to learn. Man, you need to get into God's word and let, let somebody help you learn how to have a relationship that honors God and loves someone like Jesus. And that might mean that you have to like, take some time where you're not dating anybody. And that's going to feel like nothing's happening, but God's building a character in you. And he's planting seeds that are going to bear fruit for the future. And you think about all the different areas of our life from relationships and finances. I mean, I want to encourage you that this is a seed of your life to really invest in. What does God's word have to say about those things? Because one of the reasons why we don't pursue the greater things God wants for us is we just hanging on to all these ideas from the world and we've never taken the time to look at God's word for ourselves. And so the first direction we need to go is to build a foundation of up. And then the next two directions are to build a family. And I'm going to put these two together. Is that we need to move in relationship with other believers and out in mission to the world. And you can use this tool to help kind of evaluate where am I in my relationship with God and pursuing greater things. Because if you're not pursuing a direct relationship with God and reading his word and spending time with Jesus for yourself, you're probably going to be missing out. But then some of us might be stronger. We, we have small groups that we're a part of, and we love coming to these gatherings where we're encouraged with other believers. That's really important. We're not meant to do it alone. But some of us might be like, you know what? It's just, it's me and Jesus. I'm good. I don't really need anybody. Man, this might be a growth area for you. We're not meant to just do this God thing on our own. We're meant to do it in a family. And this family is bigger than just leaving behind your parents and finding a spouse. It's a family that is, includes people that are married and single and we're knit together in the love of God in this bigger family that lives on mission to make Jesus known to the world. To welcome those who are lost and broken and hurting back into relationship with this God who loves them. And so if we're missing one of those three dynamics, it's really hard for us to pursue the greater things God wants for us. And that's a great tool, just a, a really simple way to evaluate where am I in my relationship with God? And to begin to develop kind of a rhythm and a habits in our life that, that support growing in those directions. And so what I hope for you this year is that you won't just settle for less than God wants for you that you'll really invest in building a foundation that's rooted in his word rather than the lies of this world, and that you'll find connections and a people to do life with, and that you'll get to see lives change as you welcome people home. And sometimes that's super hard. Greater things doesn't always feel like easy things. And I want to close by showing you a clip from a movie that I think is really a great picture of this story that we saw in Luke today. And it's a, it's a clip from a movie called Antoine Fisher. And I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but it'd be one worth watching. It's a movie that actually is, is pretty intense. And the character in the movie has to work through a lot of trauma. And he had a lot of abuse in his past. And, and he goes in search of his family. And he has to learn some really hard lessons along the way. But in the end, he finds the family that he was looking for. I think it's a picture of what God is showing us God is like in the kind of family that he wants us to find with him, where he welcomes us home and he heals our wounds and he gives us hope for the ways that we've settled and we've blown it in pursuit of lesser things, 
that God still has greater things for us. So can you show that now? That looked better than McDonald's, didn't it? <laughs> Tommy said I didn't define the word family, but that's a good picture of family right there. It's not just your family that you grew up with, but this bigger family of friends and people that you're accepted and that you belong to, and that's what the church is meant to be. And that starts with knowing that God looks at you and says, I'm welcoming you home. So why don't you stand? Tommy's going to lead us in one more song, and I'd just like to lead you in a prayer before we sing. Father, I thank you that you see each one of us. Like that woman saw that son. And that you run to us when we've blown it. And that you love us and embrace us. And that you don't give up on us and you call us to greater things. And God, I pray that we would be a people that create a safe place for others to find that love through our life and through this community, that we would live as a part of your mission to change the world through the power of your spirit. So if there's anyone here tonight that just needs to let go and turn back to you, let's pray that they could do that in their heart and know that you're there to embrace them and accept them. And to put that robe on their shoulders and that ring on their finger and say, I've got a purpose for you. So we thank you for this time and the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.